is Rock and Roll Grad School with your hosts, Heidi Hedquist and Luke Poling. Oh, they're so dull. Come on, rip them to shred. Hello, kitties. We are going to have a good time today. We are talking about the ultimate playlist. This is, I think, what we all need is more playlists that we don't have to worry about. True. You know, we're just stuff... You say, yes, I like this. No, I don't like this. And um, because it's based or it's it's promoted by the Arizona Lottery. It is indeed. You can get stuff. Uh, you yes, get I have cool been listening. Yeah, yes, I have been listening. No, I have not won. Thank you for asking. Well, I would hope you'd split your winnings with me. Why the hell would I do that? I don't know. Because yeah. you should. <laughs> oh, um. There was something I was going to read to you. You're going to read to me how, all about your Sparks ticket since I have none at oh this moment. God. 16th row. It's the best I could do. Well, you know. And I will take it. I mean, I will say, like, I have to go. I have to go somewhere. I don't care where I go, but I have to go somewhere, even if, if I have to go alone. Right. But I will say. It's I a Spark even... show tonight. Yes. I don't even, I'm not even sad they're not coming back to Detroit because my ability to be so up close and personal with them at that Detroit show, like, I, you can't beat that. Right. No, that's, I, I sort of was hoping that they would play Philly because they didn't last time. And I, right. I feel the, like the they, they, cho- they choose for us. They're like, oh, we'll go see her this year. We'll see. Her right. And year. I mean, like, I was like, okay, I will go meet you on your, your turf i will drive to new york yes was it worth it and then some yeah um but knowing that they're playing here i just almost want to say to them you honor me i feel unique Uh, of course because it's national crime awareness week um (laughs) i thought there was something fun and upbeat happening in music news and i feel like much like life um music news has just been really depressing Um, yeah it has I have not read it yet, but the uh, tribute to Tom Verlaine um, by Patti Smith is supposed to be amazing. I haven't read it yet either. And it is and incredibly touching. Um, yeah. My favorite thing I did see, though, sort of in response to that was somebody saying, everybody should try to live their lives as if Patti Smith was going to write your New Yorker obit. I think and that if you is... can achieve that and get that kind of love and uh, respect and uh, admiration from it from her you've done okay in your life. I think that is actually like all pillow joking aside is exactly the pillow that we need at the professional office building. Mm, that's an interesting idea. Yeah. Cause that is right on. It really sums up sort of like what's important. Well, is Patty Smith going to care about this when I die? Right. But I also feel you should, we should live our lives as if Ron Mayle's going to write our obit. Mm. Yeah, that actually probably suits us more, although I do love Patty. Right. I feel something wacky and. Sure. I I tend to dance like no one's watching. And I also watch like no one's dancing. Mm, Well, I tend to put on lipstick and pour myself another drink. So, Mm, you know, there you go. Everyone's (laughs) everyone's different. Yes. Can you explain exactly what the ultimate playlist is? app is and it's an app right it is an app okay and i can explain it uh so essentially it's in um so the ultimate playlist app is an incentivized listening song promotion tool is what it is for the industry 
for the end user, it's a gamified playlist experience. It's mm-hmm. um, a chance for them to win cash money and to discover new music. So uh, it was born out of the real need that all of us have right now of breaking through the noise. You know, at the time that we uh, kind of had the first ideation of it, there were 40,000 songs going to Spotify a day. Uh, now they're saying it's 100,000 going to um, just, and that's just one DSP. Uh, so uh, my my partner, my business partner and I, Khalid, had an artist development company in Los Angeles. So I came up as an artist, um, as a staff writer, um, because of the, my publishers were great and they gave me wonderful budgets to go in and learn producing. And so uh, by the time I was in, you know, my late 20s, early 30s, I found myself producing a lot in LA. And then, you know, especially the young female artists, I would really resonate with them. So I ended up, uh, you know, kind of working with artists and writing and producing and doing that thing that that we all do um, since the creation of Dawes and, and being able to kind of not have to go be in front of a half a million dollar mixing board, but but be able to play lots of, you know, I play lots of instruments. And, and so was creating this music really had that same intimidated feeling of, okay, so we submitted to playlists on the DSP and then we just hope, you know, I mean, it, it really, um, we were really present to how difficult it is to, to know even what to do. And so it just seemed there was a shortage of tools um, available. So we started thinking of ways um, to incentivize listening and also ways really to circumvent this this model of you have a record and then you you kind of go try to curry favor with these gatekeepers and then you maybe you know do something um exchanging currency and we, we call it not payola but is it you know it, and so we were kind of like why hide the ball why do we not just take this capital these resources that are being used to promote these songs and pass them straight through to the fans, the people who actually um, are listening because we don't have all the barriers that we had when those systems were set up. So uh, we started coming up with different ways. We had one version that was a bracket. We had you know, all sorts of different, different ideas. Um, and then the one we landed on was this 40 song playlist. Uh, you, so each, each listener downloads the app for free. It's completely free to play. Uh, we have done this in partnership with the Arizona Lottery, which really is how the whole plane flies. They've been fabulous. They're really, uh, they're really interested in promoting artists and really interested in that working class, middle class type of artists that we champion so much. So it was really simpatico right away. You know, the the deputy director is a you know has a collection of telecasters that rivals anybody that I've seen, and you know, it, you just kind of we lucked out that we got a really brilliant team and partner and all of that. So as a user, you download the app, it's completely free, 40 songs show up on a playlist and they're delivered to you in random order. So we have two games going on within it. One is called the daily cash drawing and that's guaranteed. We give away to 18 different winners, anywhere between 50 and $500. Um, and that you, uh, you, accrue tickets so if you listen to 30 seconds of a song you get one ticket 60 seconds another if you listen to the whole song you get three tickets if you add it to your apple playlist you get two more tickets and if you rate it you get another ticket so um you can get a total of 333 tickets throughout the whole list and then those basically go into a raffle and it's um you know 
an RNG highest certification locked away um, you know, number generator and it picks the numbers and those are our winners and they get a gift card, a digital gift card in their inbox and all of a sudden they have 250 bucks they weren't planning on. And the artist has been exposed to a real live human breathing fan in the United States mm-hmm. who could potentially go buy a hard ticket, who could actually you know, take notice of who they are. And with the long form listening, it also has their album artwork uh, you know, attached to it. And so as an artist, you know, you work so hard to create this experience or at least have the person walk away, A, fully listening to your song, being engaged. It's not background music. So the anti-automation that we have in there, like it ensures that it's lean forward listening. They have to interact with it. They have to see your artwork. It's not, you know, TikTok at this point is sped up versions. Yeah. You know, so it doesn't even sound like the real original human voice. It's just tiny bit of text there. And so as an artist, you know, there's just not a lot for for people to latch on to. And as a music lover and as a music maker, um, it really is a bit concerning to me that people are becoming fans of songs and not even full songs, but like of hooks, which there's been, you know, I, I love a hook as much as anybody, but I just... Um, you know, we felt that there, there was a diversification or just another offering that we could bring to the table. So we're not purporting to fix the whole thing, but at least with what we're bringing forward, it's, it, it comports with our values and our ideals and, you know, what we believe as far as the value of music and, you know, IP and, and we want to drive people towards relationships with artists and, and, give artists the tools to create sustainable careers. Um, so they get, as an artist on this, you get stratified data that is is very usable. So you can see like, you know, women under 30 years old in the Western United States love this. Women under 30 years old in the Southeast didn't really read really so, <laughs> I, exactly. I mean, but you want to know that. Of course, yeah. yeah. Right now, I think we're all just like shooting arrows in a black box. Like, just okay. being, well, I'm not really sure where, like, let's plan a tour, but to where, you know? And right. so I think, um, you know, a lot of these, these tools have been relegated to, I mean, Beyonce's team surely runs test marketing, you know, mm-hmm. they like yeah. the, the top, um, you know, performers at labels have access to a lot of research before they put whatever resources they have and, you know, more mid-range artists. And I'm not talking about hobby artists. I'm talking about people who really tour. Professional, yeah. And they're, they're doing this in a real way. It's still going to be hard for them to put together a focus group mm-hmm. and, you know, and come up with all of the tools that would make that data usable. So we just really uh, consulted a lot with, I mean, those are all my friends. All my friends are songwriters and our managers. Right. You know, so it wasn't, it wasn't too hard to just take all of the conversations that we have after a writing session or after what, you know, or after a couple of glasses of wine at the end of the week, you know, and know what is missing and what gaps might be there. So, um, so yeah, so for the end user, it is a fun way to discover new music. Uh, we, really have a variety on there so it's a little bit of a throwback to like am radio Mm -hmm. Um, so it's been really interesting because a lot of the feedback that we've had 
so far we just left beta stage. Um, and so we, but we had really good data come back from, from our first couple of months in beta and people loved hearing songs that an algorithm hadn't already decided they would love. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, uh, I mean, and there's a time and a place for the algorithms that understand what you're listening and serve you more. And that that's all fine and well, but it does really silo artists from reaching fans that maybe would love their, you know, I, I'm a big believer that we're headed towards genreless listening mm -hmm. anyway, because everybody loves hip hop and they love, you know, Tyler Childers are like strong cold country. And, and, you know, it's, it's, um, it really is kind of an era where I don't think people want all of it kept from them. You know, I think yeah. uh, it's that that's been kind of one of the fun things that you theorize and you hypothesize what might be possible, uh, but you kind of resolve yourself that like, but probably the findings are going to come back and they're not going to be what I want them to be. But it, it actually came back so positive that people are really craving being exposed to things that, uh, that they may not be predetermined to like, and they get to make up the mind for themselves. I think we all love um, being asked our opinion and you know being thought of as experts. And so um, it's really been uh, such a such positive feedback so far. And I mean, the value proposition is like listen to music when money is not too hard. Right. <laughs> happy about it, but um, but yeah, it has been. I mean, just as a as a musician, it it's fun to you know. Yesterday I was in in a session and there were four of us in there and and to be able to say you know i cannot make people like your song back mm -hmm. to it you yeah. know and, and that's not something that any of us have really known how to do uh, for a long time so that's that's what the ultimate playlist is that's awesome i love it is that um a slight brilliant such a brilliant idea because yeah. go ahead no, I was going to say, like, just the sheer numbers of being exposed to somebody, somebody listening right. to a full song and not doing 10 seconds and skipping. I mean, that to an artist is got to be priceless when you're trying to reach an audience and trying to get someone to listen to what you're saying. Absolutely. I mean, otherwise, we're all just going to be making six second sizzles, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. it, and that's not I don't think a world of art that anybody wants. Um, and then you look back, like we're getting ready, um, you know, Grammy week is coming up and we're having a launch party for the industry at the Grammy Museum. Um, so we are, right now there's a Bruce Springsteen exhibit and it has like his Esquire from the Born to Run cover. Mm -hmm. and it has all these interesting things. And so we're doing an integration with it. And it's been really fun because I'm doing all of this kind of data research on it. But, you know, Thunder Road is a five minute song. It doesn't mm -hmm. reach anything even close to a chorus. It, when you really listen, you're like, there's like a refrain, but there's not a chorus. It doesn't even reach that to like a minute 45. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> he came out and there were a hundred thousand songs coming out on the day that that came out. How are we even knowing that exists to support it? You know, and so you just, it really kind of, is sobering to think of how much is lost just because of the attention economy. And again, I'm not, you know, like I'm old enough to know we're not, we're not gonna change that, but at least for some fragment of the population who 
explore into trying, you know, something different. Here's a, here's a way to do it. And it's very um, consumable. Like it's 40 songs. It's not, because one of right. the things that intimidates me is when I'm like, there's 96 songs. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. oh my goodness. Like I, how am I supposed to as a human being care what song 83 is? I, I don't, you know? Because you know, 84 is a banger. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, you would have to devote your whole day and there's yeah. just no um yeah it's just and I understand what it is it, like I I don't fault anybody involved for like how it's it's gone it's the path of least resistance but um you know it seems like a punk rock thing to at least like try something else you know it, throw something else into there and, and see if we can capture a, a certain number of fans um, don't you think it ultimately also will it feed into the way music evolves and all of that as an art form? Because even artists today, more than years ago, I think, do figure out the genre that they want to be in. And not that they don't go back and listen to, but a lot less people go way back and like explore earlier artists and artists from all over because they don't have that exposure of even just the simplicity of being in a record store and something's on or watching MTV or whatever it was. So I feel that like if someone's sort of a potential budding musician at some point to have that exposure could actually change the world for the rest of the world, what they can hear in the future. That's a really, I mean, that's so beautiful the way you put that. Um, one of the other things that that we did is to be very careful that it's not like this, the playlist is not my personal right. Thing. You know, um, it's so what songs do you hate on today's playlist? <laughs> I'm not allowed to play. <laughs> I actually, like, there's a lot of days that, you know, people will write in and I'm like, oh, that's all, you know, like it's because I right. would be illegal for me to play. That whole lottery right. thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> um, but all of that to say, our our playlist is we have a playlist curator. He's brilliant. And so we have four categories. We have underground, emerging, current, and legacy. And then we have the genres, which are, you know, hip hop, indie rock, country, pop, and uh, R&B. So in those, we kind of like, you know, do a, a chart. We use chart metric and, and mm-hmm. really find artists, you know, it's, you don't have to know us to be on this thing. Like we're in combing the data, finding who's gonna fit those descriptions. Um, and as far as the legacy stuff goes, we've had so many people discover older music um, because of it. And it's not, you know, they may not be somebody who's gonna tune into, um, you know, one of 3.7, the rock and oldies. But if you sandwich it between a little Uzi Vert and a Jelly Roll song, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, they're discovering this old Ricky Lee Jones song or something that, um they maybe wouldn't have known and then the other exciting part just because I come from like the publishing side is there's all these acquisitions of catalogs going on and so we hear Mm -hmm. we hear about the 200 million dollar ones but there's a lot of other ones happening as well that a a lot of them are actually like bundled you know it's like okay you know this hedge fund will buy it or this investment firm or another publisher and so I know certain like legacy writers here who also were artists and they maybe put out a record in 1995. For whatever reason, their team at that time didn't decide to put the full force of God behind 
things on the phone, right? And that they always thought it maybe could have been a contender. This is a very simple way to go and almost test market that song and to do something to say like, okay, well, let's just see how it performs. <laughs> and you could see how it could perform against comparable songs. Um, you can also see how it performs, uh, not against, but in comparison to Taylor Swift's, you know, latest song. And so it, it's really something that, again, for that golden midsection of, of artists who really have been able to parlay this into a career, it does represent, um, and, and the, you know, I have a strong belief, like, you have to be downright brilliant to figure out how to weave playing music into a viable career. Yeah, mm -hmm. agree. So, yeah. Like we always laud everybody for their their creativity and the output, but the creativity in piecing a life together when you're hot for about this long and then uh -huh. you say, I'm doing this, you know, and it I think um giving those people good data you know, uh, mm -hmm. kind of stuff, uh, you know, uh, information with which they can make really good choices um, is exciting to me because I think we're going to see some creative campaigns or maybe some, sure. some things, you know, pop up that, that would have. And I'm always for something getting a second chance or getting a fair shake. Um, and so that's, that's one thing that, uh, that I think is going to be a second order effect of of maybe this existing and it seems like it's sort of desegmenting a lot of genres because sort of the benefit of spotify and satellite radio and all of these different apps is that it's it's thinning the herd to such a point where it's like you like this this style this genre i can really pinpoint it down which is great for a bit but then you find yourself you're listening to the same stuff over and over again yeah and this seems like a much better way to sort of go like find something new it's all here you got it i mean i think i think we've seen that broadly that you know we all know certain people on every which path who who read one kind of news or they you know <laughs> mm -hmm. they do like they find what they like and they do not deviate and and that's one way to do it but i don't know whether that leads to overall societal health you know and i think our arts really are important um, to the overall health of a society. So it's been interesting. I have, um, you know, I'm from a ranch in Kansas. And so I have family and friends that I still know that when it, you know, launched in a beta, different friends of mine who took a completely different path than me, you know, have been trying it out and, and sending, sending feedback. And I, you know, have, have had certain conversations where it's like, oh, well, you probably, you know, you have the option to skip because with the licensing, you can skip up to six songs per hour. It's a non-interactive streaming license. So it's the same license as Pandora. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh no, I don't, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't want to lose my tickets. And then one of them was like, honestly, it's, it's kind of cool. Cause like, I never, there's no other instance in which I would listen to that song you know and and that we were mm -hmm. talking about it was it was um something like almost you know it was on the edge of being drill you know and so mm -hmm. it's like it was like it's hard stuff that like you're not just gonna go on your own listen to and they're like it was 
kind of a glimpse into a culture and a world that I have no part of and wouldn't even know exists, but it, it humanized it, you know? And so yeah. there, I don't want to be all kumbaya about it, but I do, I think um, there's nothing lost in knowing that there's other stuff out there and yeah, and a bit of an ear to it. And like you said, for, for up and coming creators yeah. and writers, for them to have that myriad of influences, like that's music I want to hear. That's absolutely. And yeah. I love that you, you, you pulled that out of there. Very smart. That's oh my gosh. Well, thank you. That's we can have yeah. the interview now, but yeah, I was all smart. We're all good. <laughs> no, it's so what and okay, so you're with the Arizona lottery, but yes. people anywhere in the United States can play, correct? Yes, exactly. Okay, just wanted to clarify that. That's a great clarification. People. So that was actually one of their um reasons for doing it, is sure. because it uh offers you know, the lotteries have uh, so many barriers. Um, it's interesting. I knew nothing about the lottery before we, uh, you know, became partners with them. And then I, now I know a lot about the lottery. <laughs> right. and, and I, A, am so heartened by, when you look at the statistics of how many people have went to college, how many people's lives have changed because of the programming that yeah. they it's, it's really stunning. And the people within it um, at the Arizona lottery are just, they're very aware of their mission and, and what they are doing. But because it's a government organization, there's been compacts put in place that bar them from having certain kinds of mobile uh, gambling. Like they essentially can't have mobile gambling. Mm -hmm. That's allowed these other companies like FanDuel and you know the the people who can operate with essentially no rules to come in and really sweep up that market share and you know newsflash those guys aren't giving out scholarships <laughs> you know like they're, right. they're mm -hmm. not doing the it, it, there's not that um, you know uh, kind of push and pull or or trade off for it so that was one of the reasons the lottery was really intrigued and they wanted to continue exploring this is because it gave them access to a younger user base. It allows them to get in mobile, it allows them to go national, and it allows them to perpetuate their cause, which is, you know, helping students who wouldn't go to college otherwise, you know, hopefully giving their, you know, patrons a boost that somebody wins a thousand bucks at Christmas time and it helps their kids get better Christmas or, you know, that sort of yeah. thing. And we had a, a few of those stories with Ultimate Playlist of, you know, a few people who won 250 or $500 wrote in, they're like, you know, this is going to really change the Christmas I'm able to provide for my children. And one of them was a, a gal I went to high school with who, you know, had, is a single mom. And, and you just um, really see that, that those aren't, one-off stories that it really can impact. And I think for artists to know that perhaps their marketing dollars that they put towards this are doing something like that mm -hmm. versus, you know, sending another program director on a nice steak dinner. Um, right. You know, yeah. like I think that that's something that we can all get behind. The Ultimate Playlist app is available right now, wherever you get your apps. Rock and Roll Grad School is produced by the Professional Production Company.
Please be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts because your impassioned review is just as honest as us standing backstage waiting to come back on for the encore. For more information, you can check out our website, rockandrollgradschool.com. And like everyone else, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Today's show was recorded and produced by Heidi Hagquist and myself from our world headquarters located on the second floor of the professional office building, centrally located downtown. Our reluctant executive producers are John Sauvé and Sandy Stone. Our willing executive producers are Rachel Allen and Randy Jeanette. Our intern is Zach Jackson. This one's for Philippe. Thanks for joining us. Good night, thrive safe, and may all your favorite bands stay together.